0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a hot midsummer edition of the American Shoreline Podcast. Uh, My name's Peter Ravella, and I co-host this show, along with... Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. Woo! July 15th, Tyler. We were talking about whether this is officially the middle of the summer or not, and I think it's... So I don't know. It's not obvious.
1: It's not obvious. It really depends on how you how you decide to count it. I'd go with the old uh, summer vacation model right? from when we were in school. You'd get off, you know, usually it was a three-month summer vacation. Right. June, July, and August right. of the three
0: months. The middle of July kind of marked the very middle yeah. of the vacation. You'd get out of school somewhere in late May, around the 28th, and we wouldn't go back to school until either really late in August or September. Right. But what's going on now, of course, is there's probably three weeks left in the summer in a lot of places in America. That's right. It's well, going to be early August. Kids are going to be going back to school about August 10th, 11th right. around the country. I mean, yeah, so th- this would be late summer if you looked at it that way. It would. You're totally right. And of course, if you look at it from the uh, kind of equinox <laughs> perspective, yeah. we're not even halfway there yet. No, June 21st, right? First day of summer. So we're in you know, what, less than four weeks. We Yeah, and we're not there yet. We're not, you know, this is early. And for the hurricane watchers out there, uh, you know, this is early in the hurricane season. That's really. true. Uh, even though we're in middle of July, it doesn't really start to pick up, usually until later as the sea surface temperatures. I don't know. So anyway. Well, one thing's for
1: darn certain. Summer has definitely arrived here in Austin, Texas. We're looking at uh, a solid week in the high 90s. Uh, it hasn't, we've had an interesting early summer this year, quite wet. I know that's been the case in quite a few places along the American shoreline. Interesting weather. Yeah. Uh, Peter, one of the things we're going to talk about soon is the warm temperatures up in Alaska. Well, let's talk, I mean. The well, before we get into it, we should have right. a quick word from our sponsors, which is convenient because today this show is sponsored by Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline <laughs> Podcast
0: Network. That's right. We're the sponsors of this show, and you can be a sponsor on Coast of Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to reach a really diverse audience. I got to say, you know, I'm surprised when I look at the stats on our podcast network about... of the listeners are outside the United States. Yeah, that is international.
1: That's right. And uh, we will be doing a a podcast listener survey here. Uh, It'll be ready soon. Uh, It's not quite ready yet. But um, listen, if your company is trying to expand your footprint, enhance your brand, get your message out there uh, with advertisements on Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network.
0: Yeah, give us a call. Um, the information is on the website Coastal News Today, but you can email Peter at coastalnewstoday dot com or Tyler. At coastalnewstoday.com, and we will be happy to bring you on as a sponsor. All right, Peter. Well, uh, very
1: good. We've we've convinced everyone to <laughs> sign up. Let's uh, let's yeah, we have. Let's take a quick trip up. I know uh, I've got my my social media uh, trends here that we can get into, but before we do that, since we already teased this Alaska yeah uh, heat wave, what's going on up there?
0: Well, you know, I was up in British Columbia last week, and uh, uh, we put out a Podcast field notes from British Columbia uh, I noticed it was a little bit warm there uh, and yeah. when I was up in the up in the up in British Columbia, of course, reading the news from that region of the country it's not like everybody didn't hear this, but uh, right after the Fourth of July, it hit ninety degrees in Anchorage, Alaska yeah, yeah for the first time ever ever recorded officially, as they explained in the Anchorage Daily News. It reached 90 at the airport for a brief time, like with maybe for a 15-minute duration, and it was rounded up. So that it was interesting in the local paper. That was the big point, like, God, is it really 90? Like, well, not really. It just was there <laughs> for a little. But, you know, the, the stories locally, uh, they, 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 let's see, it was, it was a, a maker of uh, fudge huh. shut down the store. Wow! like we can't make fudge it's no air ho- conditioning no ac it's too hot it's got to be a certain temperature um there was a box fan for sale on ebay in anchorage for get this y'all one thousand dollars wow. wow a thousand bucks for a box fan <laughs> because and they had sold out all of the acs up in anchorage wow 90 okay now you know we're down here in texas you're from southern california yeah 90 is not crisis
1: no not in the summertime
0: no people are making stuff and going outside and you know oh yeah but it's about how acclimated we are to the expectation of our weather system and what's interesting
1: is uh we become acclimated but i know that the fish and wildlife are acclimated as well and you're following a story right now about a uh, river that is uh, a little warm there and it's affecting the fish
0: it is, in the, in the Kosakim River, and, and I apologize to all the folks up in Alaska or in the Pacific Northwest who, who may uh, know the accurate pronunciation of this river, uh, but Kuskokwim, I think, uh, is where it is. Uh, the first time, they're starting to record river uh, temperatures of 70 degrees. Wow. And they say, well, that doesn't sound too bad, 70 degrees, it sounds nice. Uh, except for the salmon that migrate up this river during this certain runs in the summer here late spring in the summer salmon runs uh, They're having a significant die-off of the fish. It's too damn warm huh. for these northern runs and uh, You know that 90 degrees in Anchorage. I don't know. This is the best hoax I've ever seen pulled off I have no idea how they've convinced all of these weather people up in Alaska to m- misreport that it's different you know, I don't know who's running, who's pulling the strings. I
1: don't know. Uh, <laughs> clearly, there's uh, stuff going on up there. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it. We're, I'm going to be, uh, when I get, you know what, why don't I just dive right on uh, into let's this? Go,
0: let me, um, okay, yeah. Let's do the, what's hot on the, it's hot in Alaska. Okay, yes. we got that. But let's talk about what's hot on social media. Tyler, I know you've been <laughs> tracking this in the summer. What's going on? Well, uh you know,
1: it's so interesting to uh, see. You know, social media is becoming an increasingly important uh, mode of communicating and uh, uh, transmitting information. And so, I'm very interested in what uh, start is trending on the coast uh, of America. And I belong to several uh, Facebook groups um, that span uh, coastal industries and interests. And I've compiled a little list here of five things that I think we should be keeping our eyes on all right. this summer. Okay. And the first thing uh, is is something that I know we've all been exposed to, and that's sharks. Sharks are so popular on social media. Uh, they're popular uh, everywhere. Uh, sharks are popular with kids. They're popular in... Aquariums. On, on, you you know, aquariums, television. Uh, they're, they're irresistible animals. They're... Uh, You know, for all sorts of reasons, the big mouth, the big teeth, I think has a lot to do with it, jaws. Uh, But there have been a number of interesting stories uh, involving sharks. Of course, we've probably all seen shark sightings, uh, stories that go viral. Oh, there's a shark scene here. Oh, someone put a drone up and saw a shark circling in the water. And then if you go into the comment section, you always get the same thing, which is... What is the breakdown? Well, the breakdown is... uh, I mean, I don't want to characterize it politically, but you get uh, some segment of the population that says, hey, it's the ocean. There will be sharks there. Uh, so don't freak out about it when you see one. It's right. almost a, a a blessing to have a sighting of a shark. They're hard okay. to see. And then the other side of it is, oh, my God, that's so scary. <laughs> um, you know, I'm never going in the ocean again, just kind of sensationalizing it. Well, I mean, sharks
0: have that have that effect on people. And those two points of view, I think, actually do explain why people, you know, because either it scares the hell out of you. And oh, my God, I'm not going in there, you know, kind of thing. That's part of the appeal. And the other point is the absolute acceptance of risk, which is, you know what? Of course they're in the ocean, damn it. Everybody knows there's sharks, and, you know, like grow up. There's, and, and that defiance of the risk is also an emotional connect. I mean, they're just so dramatic. If you
1: put a shark in any situation, I think we're gonna watch. Uh, but I'll tell you, they're, if, if, if you see one and you get it on a cell phone camera or a drone camera, it's gonna go viral. <laughs> And we've seen this actually at the film festival uh go back and listen to those shows we were talking with uh, the shark stewards uh fellow I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Uh but uh you're actually wearing his hat. <laughs> at the the it's, it's, I have a
0: shark conservation hat. Yeah, shark stewards. His name was David, right? Uh, uh, David Kel- Maguire, I believe David right. Maguire. Yeah. And uh yeah. Well, well, so what's trending so the okay, sharks. so in sightings the sharks, yeah, okay. Sightings what's going, going on viral
1: on? but uh We've unfortunately had a couple of shark attacks. One went super viral. Uh, young woman was killed, uh, I believe, in the Bahamas, and a couple sharks uh, got her. They were she was swimming with them. Uh, it was oh she
0: was a, in a tourist thing
1: with the sharks. She and her family it? were, I believe, they had chartered a sailboat or a boat of some type and uh, her to, family watched on as she was swimming.
0: And she wanted, they went specifically to swim with sharks? Uh, Is it one of those? I, they were snorkeling. I, right. I can't yeah, say okay. that snorkeling. the
1: sharks were the primary attraction, All right, but she became the primary attraction. And uh, <laughs> this went very viral. And- uh, Why, uh, Why? what
0: made it special? Why did it- Just,
1: I mean, people... I, you know, it's the voyeurism of the gore of of, right of it and, and it's
0: witnessed it's and when up. you you know what when you go out
1: there and you think that you can, i mean these are apex predators that there's a reason why i mean yeah come on They're this there. can happen right. uh right um not only can this happen with people it can happen with other sharks and uh, <laughs> just this past week a video went viral i'm sure we've all seen it of two great whites dueling it out and uh, one, the smaller of the two actually comes in from just out of nowhere, a bullet attack <laughs> from the side. Really? From the side? From the side and takes a bite out of the abdomen of right. the larger shark. And I mean, it is like your textbook shark bite. I wow. mean, just like just a big mouth bite missing of, out of this creature, wow. obviously
0: a, a mortal wound. Well, you know, in, in leading up to this segment, you were telling me about this particular story, and I think I think your ac- your description was quite accurate. It's, it's really interesting because it's shark-on-shark shark action. Shark-on-shark shark crime. Yeah, shark-on-shark shark crime, which you don't expect. Which you don't expect, and no. you also don't expect fish-on-shark
1: crime. And no. I'm sure we've also seen this viral video of a NOAA experiment. They put a, a swordfish down deep yeah. in the water.
0: 1,500 feet.
1: 1500 feet down with a camera and there were these little sharks feeding on it Mm -hmm. and out from uh the right side of the frame emerges this big (laughs) grouper with a shark that it had, like the tail is still sticking out of his mouth. So uh,
0: we like to see the sharks uh, in all uh, manifestations. Well, it's it's a victory for the bony fishes because you got the cartilaginous fishes and you got the bony, so all the ichthyologists out there in the audience are like, dude, one for the bony fish is going down. Getting after the shark, and there was the, the like the, the the back half of the shark's body was in this grouper's mouth and flailing about. And this thing is now the question I had when I watched that I have to tell you is you've got this shark's head down your gullet as a, as a fish, as a, you know, and this thing's got some teeth and a jaw, and it's not dead. So, what, what are the odds that this thing just like starts chewing through your inside? Very low really why because, be, because i was like man they're not us, was, because was, the tail was moving the thing's breathing i just think
1: that it's very low i mean those big groupers this is the way fish eat you know they just put them down there and i think that with if you can't get forward fresh oxygen forward movement you're just gonna strangle um, not i just a, think
0: there might be a nick you know in the old intestine <clears throat> i don't know that was what i thought when i saw it possibly and thank you noah and uh the uh, the the Oceanus I think is the research vessel. They put out so many great videos of especially deep sea stuff. I love. Well, they know so, that
1: any sort of deep sea uh, mysterious, whether it's a giant squid or a weird right. fish, especially a shark getting eaten by a grouper, that right. is going to go viral. Yeah. And they Noah has figured that out. And props to their communication people and their yeah. scientists for getting this information out because. Yeah, it spreads and yeah. lay people are exposed to marine biology marine science uh, through that completely. happening so completely I mean these, these posts that we're talking about here have been seen by hundreds of millions of people really yes so okay. these are alright that's category one with sharks category one sharks big time what's, what's category two category two I'm calling a flesh, <laughs> 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 flesh eating bacteria.
0: Uh, I'm sure. Is that, that really a category? That it, has a a category. Really? it has to be a category. It has to be a category. Okay. We can't right. ignore
1: it. So uh, I'm sure we've all seen the stories of uh, people are reporting that they have contracted a flesh eating bacteria at the beach or right. while recreating on the shoreline. Specifically, I've seen this in Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, um, I just saw a story also in Tennessee, so this is not strictly coastal.
0: Really, but was the person coming from the beach the Tennessee story? It was. They were recreating, on not on a, a
1: beach, but on a river oh, uh, really? or a lake. Uh, yeah. It was
0: an inland body of water. It was. Ew, I haven't seen that one.
1: Right, and um, it's, it, look, it remains unclear to me. We're, we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on, but this is going very viral. In fact, this story started with a Facebook post uh, by a woman whose husband uh, uh, contracted the the bacteria while at the beach, and the reason why I'm really keeping my eye on this is a it uh, it's spreading like wildfire, but b it it's a could be a continuation of kind of the. Blue green algae scare that we're seeing, um, and in you Florida. know it could impact the tourism. I, I
0: no, I I'm sure it actually it, is. Uh, I think it, yeah, no, I think that's quite a reasonable expectation. There have been a number of stories, and I did read one. You know, people will go to the beach open. The, the advice was if you have an open wound of any kind of cut on your finger, right, a paper cut, right, you shouldn't go in the ocean. That was the right. advice, and I believe this was in the Panhandle of Florida. Right, the te- people are like, hey, listen. You don't want to get, but think of that. I mean, if you're taking your kids to the beach, I'm not sure, you know, because the problem with flesh eating bacteria is there's a whole lot of amputation that goes on. Yes. It sort of works its way up it's, and they, they chop you off. <laughs> it is. terrible. It is. I got to think it's not worth it's, it. I'm going to the mountains. You know you what can I'm saying?
1: See why this is such good viral content because right. you're inevitably, you're going to get some sort of gruesome image that can accompany the story. Right. And uh, we human, we love on social media, we
0: love uh, the morbid stuff. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not just on social media. It's back in the day of the local news. If it leads, it bleeds. If it bleeds, it leads. That's right. Yeah. That was, that was known in, you know, early TV days. Yep. Still around today. Uh, Now the next category that I have is. So see, that's why I'm saying, is that really a category? I mean,
1: I, I, I give it it like a whole. It,
0: it deserves it has, a whole category. I'm not category. seeing any other... Uh,
1: I mean, obviously, all of these categories are of my own creation, <laughs> Peter. I like it as a category. So, no, so, I think given the weight of it, even though it's narrow, it's very important. And it's... Yeah. It, my my point is that yeah. uh, people are... there's a, There are stories going around right now that say that the, you can get sick going to the beach and yeah. that people aren't talking... Part of this narrative is that people aren't talking about it, that it's not getting... Uh, covered on the mainstream news. Now it is uh, right, uh, but over the past uh, several weeks, it this has been starting started very naturally in a very viral way. Okay. It has picked up steam, and now uh, as of this podcast, it is it has made an appearance on Fox News, CNN. MSNBC local news stations all around the Gulf Coast if you live in Florida You've probably seen this now on your local news that started on social media. That's why it's its own category Uh, great No, I love that. Okay, so category three category three is uh, (laughs) Broadly whales guys (laughs) whales. We all love (laughs) whales lots going on in the news with whales Peter Yeah, Uh, and a lot going on in social media probably the biggest thing was uh, the everyone saw Posts on their Facebook and Twitter of dead whales that were harvested uh, by Japanese fishermen. Uh, and this mm-hmm. this went super viral, uh, classic charismatic megafauna right. uh, shot of uh, dead whales being moved off of the boat. Right. Uh, fr- you know, at the harbor. And. Um, I think every, I think this was probably seen by a billion people worldwide. I mean this is that was right? a huge yes. Absolutely. I mean, we,
0: we carried a few stories as the Japanese announced they would be uh, the reintroduction uh, of commercial whaling is what they're doing. Uh, previously, they, they had some limited whaling, primarily of minkies and other smaller whale species yeah. under the uh, scientific research exemption, which everybody hated and thought they abused in the international whaling community. And then this year after, I think it's a 35 year hiatus that Japan announces, Hey, we're going back to commercial whaling. That just happened in spring. Yeah. That was a big deal. Big deal.
1: uh, You know, most, I have to say, you know, this is viral social media stuff. So uh, this is not your uh, policy thought leader uh, community. This is just for lay people. But um, this story really
0: captured, uh, People love whales, of course. And and, there's nothing wrong with how the popular... I mean, people spend lots of money surveying how does the public opinion settle on something. And I think social media is a great way to put your finger on the pulse. I mean, it's... uh, Yeah, people care about this, and they're a little bit shocked that there's commercial whaling operations restarted. But look, I think the deeper part for me, the question I had when it started happening is is when the United States start, started to withdraw from international treaties it had participated in or were for environmental protection we established, you know, and then the Japanese are like, you know what? Yeah, this international convention against commercial whaling, uh, yeah, we're out of that. We're, we're, we're declaring our independence of this international agreement. Anyway, right. whales... No, I mean, that's part a great eight. way to politicize it, Peter. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying it was a voluntary action on their part to, right. to stay in that treaty. I
1: mean, they were harvesting—I I guess one way to look at it is they were harvesting whales uh, in or out. Uh, it was kind of a peculiar arrangement before with the scientific exemption, but— right. Um, You know, the the main thing is the reason why I'm putting. I could call the category porpoises instead of just whales because (laughs) dolphins make it. And by the way, my next subcategory here are beachings. There's been a lot of beachings. There's been and a a sub uh, column there would be deaths. A lot of whale death, uh, right? Tangled up in uh, uh, fishing gear, uh, just beached. kind of mysteriously there's a lot of question out there as to why whales are beaching we've also heard about the seismic testing uh yeah and and mapping that's being done and its impact we did a podcast with the uh guy
0: from the war college i believe Um, the uh uh, defense university national defense ndu the national defense he was the uh the, the cheat head of that That's
1: right And uh, you know talked he, about, he, he talked about The noise levels in the ocean How right. that impacts whales Among other things Including our Our, our Navy's ability To follow uh, ships But A um, lot of Whale stories uh, right. If you really If if you go on Social media And scroll through Your feed If you go on Twitter And scroll through It won't take you long To find A whale story uh, Most of them Are sad I will say and this on a happy note uh, There have been a lot of whale sightings too And those go viral just as Much as the negative stories right Uh, And the one thing I would Say about that is uh, a lot Of sightings of oftentimes When I'm reading in the comment section I am seeing that these Sightings might be out of season or it might Be an odd time to see a Specific type of whale Um, Specifically I follow uh, the Island Packers uh, organization Hmm. Out there of Ventura they they take people out to the oh, Channel yeah. Islands National Park. Yeah, yeah. We've ridden on an island packer's boat, actually. Did. And uh, they always report every trip they go out whale watching. They post pictures and, and say what they saw. And there's usually a little blurb by the captain of the yeah. boat. Um, and I've, I've seen an uptick in very active whale watching hmm. season. Um, and
0: I'm putting that in my category, whales. That's it's, they're all one. over the web. That's a great category. I, I think you can break it down a little bit. Like... Here are the things that I've been following on Coastal News today. And I think there's stories. In fact, I know there are. If you go back and look at uh, what, what's what been posted, the story about the dolphin deaths in the Gulf of Mexico affiliated with the massive inflow of freshwater into through Bonnie Carey uh, spillway into Lake Pontchartrain, changing right. the nearshore salinity, the fisheries impact. But but they've set they've counted record numbers of dolphin deaths in the nearshore coastal waters in the Gulf and around Mobile and you know and new orleans and stuff more than 200 i believe is the number um, so there's that there's the up in puget sound the big story of the summer so far has been the starvation of the southern orca resident orca population in puget right. sound right totally. this is this is the the thing with the the dead calf baby the mother carried her you know dead baby calf whale uh, around for a couple of weeks that went viral that was totally viral and people are now watching very closely uh and look here's the the politics this is why this is okay i mean look the the pulse of what's happening on social media matters policy-wise totally uh the governor of washington pledges a billion dollars for salmon recovery right they think this population is is starving a Native American tribe has started to feed these whales in the wild because they're trying to save this resident, that. Right. And then throw in the, the you know, the whole gray whale migration on the west coast. Uh, that species, all from Cal Southern California all the way up to Alaska, the number of, of strandings and deaths of gray whales is b- b- re- remarkably high this year. Right. And then over on the Atlantic side, it's the right whales. And damn it, if uh, you know the National Marine Fisheries Service and the Pacific and, and the Atlantic Fisheries Management Council did not impose significant restrictions on lobstermen and their gear because of right whale entanglement, right? So, I mean, that's that's a I mean, that's a good example of social media is on top of the major stories on the coast. I, I just I think that this is the way that. Th-
1: by far uh, the most uh, the most people are reached by uh, social media stories and as we uh, explore what 's going on in the American shoreline, Peter, we have to keep a a close eye on uh, what 's going on on social media we, we We saw oh several weeks ago there was a uh, video that went viral of a deep sea uh giant squid i believe is what it was it was a giant squid and uh you guys i gotta confess we're we're peter's popping a beer here real quick (laughs) thank you peter um and as the, you know, we were deciding, hey, listen, this is viral content. We don't need to, like, are, do our users want to read about this? And what the reason why we're doing this section here is because it really does matter what people are talking about, and it's good to be aware of it. I'm not saying that this is groundbreaking, you know, journalism or content, uh, but this these are certainly important uh, stories that are circulating in a viral manner on social media. Right. On the american shoreline and some of like for example this this stuff about whales very interesting and it, it bleeds into this next category that i want to get to Go which ahead. is plastics plastics the entire plastic movement is a social media driven movement that has worked its way into politics i mean how many local right. communities now have single-use plastic bands straw bands yeah and it's growing and it it all started on social media. It started with pictures actually of coastal wildlife that were dead, or that turtle that we've all seen yeah. that straw be pulled out of its uh, uh, nostril yeah, yeah, it so uh, this next category look so these these stories what's going viral are important just to kind of be aware
0: that these are the things that people are talking about. They come in and they yeah. come out. There I are, think in almost every case of this stuff that you've mentioned we could find a specific legislative agenda or policy change that's happening on the American shoreline associated with that. I mean, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing, what is causing it, but I think I think what happens in the political system is it's responding to public sentiment and understanding totally. and that's why social media is a great way to look at what are the policy trends on the coast. I think so. It's actually kind of yeah, makes good and
1: sense. Here here's why I think it when it comes to a chicken and egg, it is a good question, but uh, we had Jace Tunnel on uh, of the Nurdle Patrol. Everybody should go back and listen to the ride along with the Nurdle Patrol mm-hmm. podcast. Jace created this great organization that maps and surveys uh, the coasts of America and, for that matter, the world for nurdles—these little plastic pellets that yeah. are part of the industrial process of of making and using plastic for all sorts of stuff for everything, actually—and. Right. Uh, his work has gone viral, and it's really cool to see see it happen. I mean, there are a, a whole suite of news stories that have occurred. Yeah, but in major publications that have Jason them, exactly. But what's interesting is his core group is a Facebook group. It's a citizen science Facebook group, and and an email list, and yeah. through that he has raised awareness. He has. Uh, expanded his aud- in, And there are journalists that follow him yeah. There are scientists that follow him yeah. And uh, this is going to turn And uh, it seems like The pace of news stories that are looking Into this yeah. is expanding So he has inserted This nurdle uh, component Into the plastic discussion yeah. Now when I'm seeing plastic stuff Come across my news feed and of course I'm still seeing straws I'm still seeing uh, single use stuff I'm now seeing Nurdle stuff in there too. Yeah, so it's interesting that uh, the first of all, this plastics discussion is not going to go away. No, uh, we are going to be changing the way it. Guarantee, uh, like you said, it's the the uh, tipping point has happened with plastics politically. We are going to see a change here, and it is reflected in the social media.
0: Hmm. I think so, and 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 you know the other part of that discussion is the level of ingestion of plastic in the food chain i mean there's been plenty of good science out there and you can actually find it on coastal news today where they're you know they're doing stomach content analysis of the critters in the sea and they're finding particularly in birds uh substantial levels of plastic ingestion and this is true in in the death of some marine mammals as well they've had i think they they gutted a a, uh uh juveniles uh sperm whale well recently and it had 45 kilograms of plastic and it's some ridiculous amount of plastic it had ingested. Right. So, you know, it's live for that reason. That's whales and plastic. That's two wh- categories. <laughs> Definitely viral. That's a, double.
1: That's a twofer. That's right. Well, I didn't connect it, 100%. But of course, viral. it's a whale and a plastic yeah. story. If awesome. it died of a flesh eating bacteria, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's all we would ever talk about. That contracted from the plastic. Right. That would be oh, it. Oh, that goodness. would be <laughs> slam dunk. <laughs> all right. Now, wait. <laughs> no, but the plastic issue, uh, Nurdles, I think. I had I really did not know what these were until we interviewed Jason. I think we, you know, Jason. They wrote a big story for the Atlantic, which is a That's major right. national publication. I think they've major news services have caught up with him. We interviewed him first. I mean, we saw him. I'm taking credit. We, we, but we did. But we were interested in plastics going back to last year when you actually I think in the very first show. I think. Uh, in fact, right. I know you did on the well, identified plastic. We did, we did a sh- one of our early shows was
1: a similar little theme where we went through what has gone viral. And by the right. way, we're gonna. I want to continue to do this, right? Especially when something emerges that's new. I mean, yeah, plastics yeah. have been in the zeitgeist for some time, um, but what's interesting to me is in over the past year, um, there's been a lot of legislation uh, that has happened, and the movement has definitely yeah. grown. In addition to that. We're seeing expand into this concept of nurdles, which uh, there's been a lot of news stories. We were lucky to get him first. You're totally right. We kind of got the scoop early little, on I mean,
0: it. We were watching him when he did the nurdle patrol did, expedition all of the, the credit. Coast. He went, and of course, it's all him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's all him. Totally. Totally. I mean, the uh, guy is uh, doing an amazing job and has built this network of citizen scientists to include people from, you know, England that are doing surveys and finding nurdles, believe it or not, everywhere. So... Uh, it's it's go check them out. The Nerdal Patrol, uh, Jace Tunnel. Great organization.
0: Absolutely. And I do want to, um, you know, make this juxtaposition, which I think we always try to do when you're talking about coastal issues is uh, the number one commodity export from the Port of Houston. What is it? Oil and gas. It is not oil and gas, but that's what everybody would think because right. of the refinery or chemicals. It is plastics and resins. Huh. The number one. So even at the same time when Jace is down there in Corpus Christi at UT, I mean at uh, yeah at, no A and M Corpus Christi where he's a, 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 a research scientist and tracking these nurdle stuff around the Gulf of Mexico, the Port of Houston is the major international exporter of and creation of plastic resins that are that ultimately become nurdles yeah you know and it's just the fact that the coast is you know it's always this balance of interest on the shoreline look we could i could go on and on on this subject
1: one of the things that makes jace so effective as a social media operator is that he he uses a lot of pictures His nurdle, it's very simple to understand. You see a survey, you see some nurdles that someone found on such and such such a beach. Oh, it's in Florida. This Mm -hmm. person found five. Oh, they're here, over there, there. And it's just so effective. Yeah, it is. Uh, He was driving down the road and saw a train go by. I mean, he's inland. He's not near, uh, I believe he was near a a watershed, but he's not near the coast. And uh, he saw this big pile of plastics. He's not the only one in his group, by the way, that does this on his Facebook right. group. Other people will see uh, industrial plastic out where it shouldn't be, yeah. uh, usually on a, a you know commercial waterway or a, a, a train track or something, and they take pictures. So you you become familiarized with what this stuff even looks like. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you, having been exposed to. The Nurdle Patrol, I don't think I could go to the beach and not look for them. Yeah. You know, it's like it's in my mind. And that's that's effective
0: social media. uh, It's very marketing. And he does. You know, the other thing, he makes it super easy. He's like, like, look, take 10 minutes. He usually says, take as a citizen on the beach, take 10 minutes, look for these things. Yeah. Pick them up, put them in your hand, take out your cell phone, take a picture and send it to me. So it makes it extremely easy for people to participate. And because the damn photos, of course, are uh, GPSed, he can tell where the sample was taken. And he's, he's right. like, Jace is on to something really good. He's he's got
1: it. And uh, yeah. again, Facebook, uh, I'm going to talk about this in a second here right. with my next category. But OK, uh, Facebook is definitely uh, Facebook and Twitter are very interesting places where the coastal conversation is happening. And uh, the Nerdle Patrol is an example of a Facebook group Mm -hmm. um, that uh, really is on to something with regard to plastics and social media. Uh, The final category, Peter, that I want to get to, and I want to wrap this uh, social media discussion up so we can get on to what's in the news, but uh, (laughs) Stormwatch 2019 is upon us. Uh, (laughs) Summer is here. It's the middle of July, and Stormwatch 2019 is upon us. There are probably, oh, 10 healthy facebook groups that cover the uh storm seasons around the globe by the way Mm. and these are like you know you don't know who's in these groups but i can tell you following the atlantic hurricane group uh storm watchers group that these are like amateur to kind of semi-pro maybe even professional like NOAA people are members and um they post about the storms, and the, what is currently upon us, of course, is yeah. Barry. Let's talk about it. Barry, uh, Barry has been very po- these groups have so what's, what's lit on fire with Barry. Why is that? What's because it's what, weird. The start, the origin of the storm was weird, and initially, what was so fascinating is that these groups were sharing European model. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, European models that showed Results. that Barry was going to form. And the uh, apparently the American models, the big controversy in the group was that the really? American models did not show this, but the European models did. And so it's like, when will, and as the conditions...
0: Of course, there's it, always got to be an agenda. but So yeah. that's the debate in, in the Atlantic. Stormwatchers group is... Because we're talking about here about the, the National Hurricane Center, and of course, we had Ken Graham on twice, the That's director right. of the National Hurricane Center, talking about hurricanes and modeling and all this stuff. And uh, I Our think boy. Our boy, and he's great, and I think they're real proud of their modeling capacity. Um, but there's this European model, and I think he talked about it. Well,
1: so what's interesting about in the storm uh, watch community, storm okay. watching, is that the the group you want to be first to
0: claim that you see it coming. That's like <laughs> that is the hi- that is really is that yeah. it? Like I knew this was going to be a tornado kind of thing, but I knew this was going to be a yeah. hurricane. I saw the the the, fir- the
1: the it's like forecasting is the what you that's the
0: <laughs> really I believe so that's the highest thing
1: because I, I see it I see it in the way people post like hey keep an eye on this one right like it's it, you it's
0: know, the I told you so argument they're like you know what I told you I saw you know but how but it's, I mean it's a It's a completely zero risk
1: proposition. I Peter, in social media, media, that's what it's about. It's about
0: being first, showing it first, introducing the idea. It comes at no cost. Correct. That's my point. There's no risk. I mean, so if you, you know, eight posts back, somebody said, I thought was coming and the sheer comes along and it dissipates, you know, no one gives a shit that, you know, eight Hours before someone had predicted it. I mean, so so I don't just I just think I just I'm just saying as a as a as a uh, status symbol in a group. Yeah. The fact that you said, I think this is going to be a hurricane further than anybody else is kind of, in my opinion, a can I say a bullshit Badge to get
1: Well I, No I'm <laughs> I mean, gonna I'm just gonna push say, back I'm gonna right, push go back ahead, go ahead So One of the really cool things About these social media groups Is that you develop You begin to know uh, The contributors People that are Regularly Chiming in Okay And uh, You can tell You know The oil and vinegar Or you know The water and oil Separate And you can see Who's the Who's credible Who's credible And it's very clear These right. are not uh, Bullshit
0: Uh, Okay Predictions These are really serious Now a lot of it is plagiarism I'll back off a little bit on that I could believe that You could tell You can tell In a social media discussion Whether someone's just popping off Totally
1: and, and look, I've, I've actually started a Facebook group here called uh, Coastal Vibes and Inspiration, <laughs> um, which is a, a
0: coastal music and photos group. Um, it there is are, a, uh, that is the Southern California Facebook group I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> what is it called? Coastal <laughs> Vibes? Yeah, life.
1: it's it's about it's about coastal science, but and, coastal vibes. And what's the name of it? And inspiration. And inspiration, right on. Okay, I'm and the, digging that. The idea is that you know it's a place for people to come and share all the stuff that we talk about. You know, yeah. kind of pan, uh, coastal.
0: But well, what? and and the and the true emotional connection people have with this stuff. I mean, which it is goes amiss-
1: beyond singularly like surfing or
0: storms or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Here, the thing that I want to point out here, to, just to wrap up the social media discussion, is that uh, it's a great time to follow these Facebook groups as a, as a professional on the coast. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that you should spend a lot of time doing it, but it's a quick way to see what's going on. Now I'm going to continue to follow it and report in for all of y'all. But let me just say Facebook groups are uh, blossoming uh, and the conversation about the coastline. I mean, Peter, we're going to transition this into the news discussion. But I'll tell you, the conversation of what's going on on coastlines all over the world, especially on the American shoreline, is happening on social media. Yeah, It's raw. It's unfiltered. Sometimes it's silly and stupid. Sometimes it's a shark biting another shark in half. But it's worth paying attention to. People are having a conversation there.
0: And we, you know, and and I'm glad that you watch that. Um, I, I kind of track uh, LinkedIn a little more. I don't really track a lot on Facebook, um, but l- in LinkedIn. And uh, it's a really, it is a great place to kind of get a tone and a feel. And for all the folks out there that, all the engineers out there, I mean, this is why Coastal News Today is We don't want to pick on the engineers. No, but I'm saying this is why we, I think what we're doing is useful, both in terms of the, selection of stories and uh, in terms of who we're interviewing on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I mean, it, it, there's a lot to think about and when you're working on projects, you don't always have time to clue into the vibe of the thing. right? And we do.
1: We do. And this is an important part of uh, the discussion because it's where it's happening now. Uh, right. it's, it's not contained in through the news or through a community outreach meeting, the conversation is happening on social media and um, it behooves all of us to get better at understanding it. Now, you know, we can have another discussion about what that means (laughs) about our society, right? right. but uh, certainly it's just a reality now that this is with us.
0: Well, okay. So today, and when I say today, it's on Monday, the 15th of July, when this will be, uh, aired, But we know the top story on Coastal News today uh, today is the story about the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers biologists down in Miami who pled guilty uh, to having a moonlighting job with a with a with a contractor during the review of the uh, uh, Port of Miami deepening project. This is a conflict of interest. Uh, case And I'll tell you, the number one story ever read on Costa News Today was about a month ago where it was the indictment of this biologist. Millions of reads. Millions of reads. There were, I mean, it, it, it was. It was our viral story was uh, <laughs> about the indictment of this biologist, the car of engineers, biologist. She pled guilty last week. And so now she's been convicted. She has not been sentenced. Uh, What they're saying is uh, she could get as long as five years in prison. But essentially, the Port of Miami dredging project itself um, was a huge controversy and remains so. About what was the impact of the deepening taking? Uh, right. Why don't you let's yeah. back up because this okay, is a yeah, big yeah. damn deal and yeah. we're going to have to do another show on this, I think. I, I want to talk to Steve Dial and Steve Dial, who with Dial Cordy and Associates, who did some of the ana- did the post dredging analysis so, of coral impacts, has contacted big us
1: time like, background here. Basically, what we're talking background. about is uh, they're deepening the port to accommodate Panamax ships. Right. And um, in order to do that, they had to. Uh, disrupt the plow through plow through some coral some a a coral thing which is part of the ship channel that goes out you Mm. know by several miles right out of Miami
0: yeah I mean yeah it's the entrance channel right into the port of Miami and this is important
1: for navigational reasons these are 100 massive ships that carry all sorts of stuff
0: they were having problems turning these super these larger Panama ships within the port they needed a wider channel uh, the core went ahead and dredged at it. It was not without controversy when it was proposed to take the channel to. I think it's 55 feet, uh, and then the the environmental fallout occurred. Right. So, uh, what happened here? I mean, I obviously uh,
1: this has now spiraled into yeah. a corruption situation. But like, what's what what happened here within well, the initial? What was the initial crime? I mean, obviously I think
0: more of the coral was damaged than they said they would. Right, and I think the assertion was from both in the environmental community down in down in uh, south southeast Florida, but also in the federal agencies, the National Marine Fisheries Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, other biologists uh, looked at the impact of the dredging project and, and claimed uh, to, uh, to, to somewhat vociferously that the core had done significant damage to the coral reef system in southern florida wow the the court does not agree with that and well along comes this biologist this is why that i think this is why the biologist working as an oversight biologist on this project and being secretly employed by the one of the consulting firms and we don't i think it's an environmental consulting firm is the assertion although the pleadings her guilty plea does not identify the company she was secretly working for wow uh at the same time that she was so it's a clear conflict of interest you can't be self-regulated no you can't i mean it's a clear even though she was getting paid to do other work for the firm right that was responsible this is sort of the the background of this thing um and and since then the the debate about the Damage to the uh, coral reef system in South Florida is has not been resolved. I I, I think I would spline it up this way. The Corps of Engineers and its consulting firm, uh, Dial Cordy and Associates and Steve Dial, very reputable guys uh, at Dial Cordy, serious uh they claim, look, not really much damage. There's been a lot of dead coral down here in South Florida, but it's because of other stuff. It's like global warming. It's it's bad water. It's too hot. There's too right. much, you know, whatever. They are they're they're challenging the cause and effect relationship between the project and the damage. And the, the Miami Herald keeps reporting that Steve Dial's analysis showed that six corals were killed by the dredging project. And Steve and I have corresponded and he's it's not six corals, it's six percent. OK, so in defense of Steve Dial and Dial Cordy, we're going to have to have the Miami gonna, Herald wanna, on and yeah, talk to them about I, that. It's a. Yeah. To conclude that six specific would was absurd as an as an idea. But anyway, that's what you know, I still continue to follow that. And I think I you know, it is as like everything along the coast. It is this interplay between the financial interests and economic interest of the port sector versus the recreational fishing and tourism sector, which are happy to have lots of good corals because that's their business. Right. We're talking about that conflict. It's also about
1: the uh, understanding. I mean, one of the things that's coming to fore here, coming into the fore, is how, uh, how do we engineer these projects? Uh, what is expected in terms of from uh, the the project sponsors the port of Miami, the Army Corps of Engineers, in terms of public outreach about the damages that will happen I mean this port has been active for a long time. They have done many 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 dredging cycles they have deepened this port many times um, but climate change and the issues of Of this, I don't mean to reinsert climate change. And apologies again to Gary Glick and uh, all of the people that think we shouldn't be talking about climate change. But I can't help but say that uh, at the heart of it is whose fault is it about these corals dying, and how do we engineer projects where we really don't know where these lines begin and end? One of the fundamental ideas of the engineering is like, well, the beach begins at this point; it ends at this point. We, this is, and Part of the coast and part of the climate and part of the
0: oceans is that there's just this very strong interconnectivity. Well, I call it, it's, it's the most art, artful of engineering disciplines is coastal engineering and hydrodynamics and the fluidity of the place. It's, it's a little hard to script it.
1: It is. Especially when the consequences can go way beyond the immediate region or even the scope of what you're trying to do. I mean, if the, if you're dealing with a species you never thought of or a water temperature change, you never thought, I mean, it just turns into, yeah. Um, well,
0: as we say, it's very dynamic. Totally. This is the most dynamic part of the planet. Yes. And I think that's a fair, even, you know, look, volcanoes and things move a lot of, uh, and of course, but they're very episodic and very specific. The land water interface around the planet is a place where the implications of tides, weather, storms are vividly seen and uh, where we use and participate in this uh, physical system in a way that's economically connected more than any other place. I mean, you can build a factory in Kansas City or Omaha Nebraska or you know Scottsdale Arizona and it ain't gonna be that much different you're, you know what totally. I totally mean? but when you try to make a living at the land water edge and deal with the physical system the waterways yeah. the depth of water the organisms in the water whether you're a shrimper or an oysterman or go offshore and the marshes which are the nurseries I mean you see what I'm saying is is Occupying this particular physical space is one of the most interesting conversations, I think, out there. Yeah. I mean, it's also just how... <laughs> uh,
1: the, it is the most dynamic place, first of all. I, I would agree with that. Um, just think about sitting uh, in the sand right there where the water... Just, you know, where it's two inches deep. Yeah. You sit there, you're going to move... You're going to sink. You're going to move to the left or to the right. It's true. You're going to move. You should try to sit still. You can't do it. Right. It's in, And you're in two inches of water.
0: Right. You can't. This is the thing with the sand and you sort of sink down. And I mean, it's the liquefaction of of sediment it's, and water so much is moving that's, think about yeah, the the
1: the infinite number of uh variables it's not i know science folks it's not actually infinite but <laughs> i believe in <laughs> Newtonian physics okay but it's you know for me for <laughs> for my humble brain what we're trying to say there's a lot of things happening there's an uh, an incomprehensible uh number of uh factors that go into it and where i think that you know we struggle is that we try to master these things, and we right. we say, well, if we've got so many things in our algorithm, and we've, we're factoring right. x, y, and z, and it's, I think, where we f- we fail is that we
0: uh, we want to we want to put it in an equation. We do. And I and I I bless that, by the way, that's really great. All of those scientists, those hydrodynamic people, all of the you know, look, you go to ASBPA conferences, a lot of math because people have done basic physics and created these relationships and understandings that they use to actually design projects and react to the real world. We want that need that specificity that sort of but, you know, there's something about the the notion of this cause and effect discussion down to go back to steve dial and yeah. port of miami it is a multifactorial situation right there isn't one reason corals are changing in south florida it is not only uh, related to temperature of the water the phys- the, phys- the the geochemistry of the water i mean there's all sorts of factors totally. light the amount of abuse how much anchoring how frequently people are there what's the fishing pressure i mean all of this stuff is connected and manipulating the bottom of the ocean in significant ways uh, and cutting channels and changing the hydrodynamics has something to do with it. How you parse that out and what you say is, well, it's all about this or all about that is a bit of a facade. We we, we It's a fake. It's certainly a matter be,
1: of perspective.
0: Well, we can't be that accurate. We're not that good. No. Human beings are not that good. I mean, we look, I know there's a lot of smart people in the world, but these are it's beyond us now that doesn't mean we can't make rational judgments as to the weight of a factor in the outcome and i've got to say that plowing you know a deeper channel through the coral reef structures off of the port of miami is likely to be a contributing factor you know i I just feel like there's you know i'm not willing to play fantasy land that says we can just do stuff like this and change the way the the water flows and the wet deal and, and change the physicality of the environment and then say, we believe there is absolutely no effect. Well, that's crap. Of course there's an effect. It might be small. It might be what you don't expect, but it's, it, there's no such thing as no effect. Yeah. I mean, come on.
1: That doesn't make sense. No. Uh, I would just conclude uh, this, my, my final comment on this one <laughs> and then we can move on to the other news stories. Right. I know there's, but my final comment <laughs> is, uh, you know, coastal science there's there needs to be an experimental component to the coastal vibe within the engineering community when i think of orville magoon and these like great icons we've talked to our good friend leslie ewing about this uh the great icons of coastal engineering and thinkers and thinkers and a lot of free thinkers in there free thinkers that were open-minded guys scientists totally and um uh, really challenged the the status quo and the fact that the whole culture of the discipline uh, it, it baked that in and yeah um, you know i really hope that that's something that re- stays and remains and can be highlighted in that community still right uh, it's my favorite part of the coastal engineering engineering community and the ASBPA folks i love when we're thinking outside the box and um Absolutely. When you say you're, you're totally right. I mean, obviously that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to think that there isn't a connection between yeah. deepening the channel I, and everything yeah. else. because I We t- know
0: it's all connected. Yeah. And I can't tell you the jury's out. Yeah. The jury's out. But I, and and I'm look, I really wanted to, Steve and I have been exchanging emails. I, there's two people I wanted to interview. I'll tell you in, in the next month, if we can do it is I want to sit down with uh, Steve dial about the port of Miami, uh, Deepening and what the implications of the environmental implications. He's a pro. I've known him for a while. We're not close friends, but I've worked with Steve and his firm for years, and I, I respect them. They're smart guys. So I want to talk to him. I also want to talk to Don Young again. Uh, the Center for Developed Shorelines at Western Carolina University came out with a big study um, about coastal armoring and fortification and the economics of a managed retreat uh don is in uh is in europe until the 25th of july brad is it brad don young don young i don't think it's Don. no wait a minute come on we need to look that up i will (laughs) we will keep your thought going i'll look it up let me look it up um we should be no it's let me see Anyway, uh, the Center for Developed Shorelines is is an important voice in understanding uh, appropriate development practices along the coast. I think they do some great work, and they're moving into policy and economics more and more, uh, as opposed to looking at these issues strictly as the physicalness of the situation, which I think they're quite good at describing. Uh, and as I talked to him about in, in the podcast interview I did with him uh, some months back is the fact that the yeah, you've got the facts reasonably well described is is uh, frustrating because the, the pull-up- Rob Young. Rob. Oh, thank you, Rob Young. geez Rob, I'm sorry. But Rob, I was telling Rob, I think you've got to look at why these policies and why this information isn't factoring into the political decision-making process and- and it sounds like this new study that they've done is is going to be a little bit more policy-oriented. So Rob Young from the Center for Developed Shorelines at Western Carolina University, uh, we've been texting, let's put that show together and talk about your new analysis and your new report.
1: And you guys actually talked about that on uh, that uh, local control show. Yes, yeah, This it was, was the, forthcoming. He was like, hey, listen, I can't go into it quite yet. Yeah, we did. So now that's out. Yeah, now it's out. And it's gotten a ton of media attention.
0: Right. Well, and i want to i want to follow up on, on a on a story that's in coastal news today today sounds good monday and this is uh this is a bit right I, I get a little bit peevish about stuff and i get a little bit defensive about the coast and decision making of the coast yeah. which i'm apt to criticize from time to time <laughs> on how we develop things on the shore. i think everyone knows that <laughs> but there's a story uh out of the midwest uh and this was in the Washington Post recently, la- or late last week, about the development in the high risk flood zones along the Mississippi River in the Midwest, and particularly in the state of Missouri. Is that the same attractions, the same financial pressures that are driving barrier island development, something Rob Young talks about all the time, is not unique to the saltwater interface? Yeah. You got to go up here to Missouri and look at what we're doing along the Mississippi River in significant floodplains all over the Midwest, and we're putting more and more property at risk in these areas, and what do you think the result is of this historic spring-summer period, which we just came out of in the Mississippi River uh, drainage, flooding from Oklahoma, Kansas, all the way through the Midwest, Iowa farmers didn't plant corn, it was, it was a nightmare. Okay, so what is the, what is the discussion right now? It's to armor, right? Right. What we're seeing is local communities asking the Corps of Engineers, we need more money, higher levies, wider, you know, we need higher, stronger flood protection features. Right. This is how the ocean people react, too. And here's the thing that bothers me, and I just want to just. Sad. I mean say I it. have heard folks in the Midwest say about the people, you guys have took the wrecks down there on the coast, damn, you know, you're too bad for you that you're getting flooded out and there's storms and you know it. And particularly they say that to New Orleans. Hell, I've heard people say, You just need to get New Orleans it's over. It's below sea level. You know, these people are crazy down there taking the risk. I hear this from from all over the US, but particularly in folks who are not in the coastal environment. Right. Here's my point. All of those people in Missouri who are calling for bigger levies to further channelize the Mississippi River and send more flood water down to New Orleans and all of the runoff principally that drives the, uh, the hypoxic zone in the Gulf, the dead zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to sit back and say, listen, you people down there are taking too much risk. I'm like, hell, you just shuffled the whole damn risk down to me. Yeah, The entire Midwest flood management system puts pressure on New Orleans because they they drain the upper basins faster and they don't allow them to spread out. And that's why all the water ends up in New Orleans. And then you sit back and go, well, I don't know why those people down there in New Orleans are taking such risk. I'm like, you know, on behalf of the people in New Orleans, well, what, I'm what, saying, you know, what are you talking about? You, got, I mean, there's risk to be shared and you're a contributor. So... I
1: agree that it is uh, commonly uh, said from people that live elsewhere of a disaster that, uh, that, that, Hey, why are you there? Why did you uh, put yourself in that risk? I'm certainly not. I don't want my tax dollars to go toward uh, bailing your butt out, (laughs) but, Uh, In reality, uh, we're all in that situation. And all I can say is this speaks to, uh, A, how we understand the way our planet works and our drainages work and the interplay between what happens in the uh, inland oceans, uh, as we learned at EarthX this year, Uh, Inland Ocean Coalition, check them out. Shout out to them. They're working to uh, advocate exactly what, Peter, you're talking about there, Uh, keeping those watersheds healthy and uh, benefiting uh, the ocean uh, where ultimately all that water, of course, is flowing. Uh, But we also need to pay attention to the fact that as uh, the federal government in particular uh, begins to appropriate money for infrastructure Levees, the Army Corps of Engineers, how they treat the inland watersheds, uh, will be, I believe, a bellwether for how the coasts are treated. And, and it, you know what? I would even say it could even go the other way around. If we be, if it would not surprise me if we saw, uh, eventually. Look, uh, Peter, I gotta, I gotta bridge this in. We we saw this great L.A. Times story last week, mm. Roxancia. Again we've reached Absolutely. out to her We want her on the program An amazing piece of journalism uh, Probably Probably six months at least of work uh, yeah, To produce say. this amazing article That everyone should read um, What she comes to the conclusion to In this article Is that we're heading to we're, we're heading to two places We're heading to manage retreat And we're heading to armoring Both Yeah We will do both She's 100% right And she is 100% right so, uh, around the country, wherever we're dealing with flood risk, we're, we're actually approaching the same exact problem. Yeah. And the question becomes, when manage retreat, the conference, uh, at what point manage retreat? Columbia University Columbia, last, yes. last week. We're all very uh, familiar with, with that.
0: With Radley Horton. There's a show from last
1: week on that. Right. And, and, it, and when armament. Right. And that's a really interesting discussion. Again, to swing it back to your uh, yeah. situation there in Miami with that port, we seem to believe that if it's for extreme
0: economic interest, for industrial health... Well, I wouldn't say extreme. I would say definable and understandable economic interests are served well on the American shoreline. in With uh, hardened
1: means, with, yeah, with industrial can, management. Right. And like,
0: And there are interests on the coast that are not easily defined, like the value of beach recreation, gets a little second tripped, it's not storm damage, or the value of a wetland. Right. You know, We get into these funky discussions about how do you value uh, uh, natural resource areas and put a, de- we're all trying to commodify this so we could right. compare it to a port. Totally. Right. And so if you've got a definable interest like shipping, uh, no, this is one of my favorite sort of things to think about. Is nobody ever says to a port, you know what? You guys dredged this thing last year. You've got to dredge it again every couple of years, every three years. it just keeps filling in and filling in. And why the hell do you keep doing that? Why isn't there a single solution, bulletproof answer to the fact that we got to keep doing this again? And again, nobody says that. They're like, of course, shipping needs to be at 50-foot channel depth. That's how the whole economy runs. We're gonna do it, we're gonna do it every 18 months, we're gonna do it every year, we're gonna do it every however much it costs. We have a whole industry and a whole federal agency designed to make that happen. Think about that for a beach community. When people say, you know, if you put this sand on the beach, It's just going to wash away, and in three years, and four years, you're going to have to keep doing this over and over and over again. And the answer to that is yes, for the same reasons, we do it over and over and over again in a shipping channel. Because the whole problem we're trying to address is the location of sediment in the nearshore environment along the coast. And... If you're in the shipping business, you buy, when you hire a dredge, you're hiring the cutter head end in the pipe because we're going to take the channel down. And when you're in the beach nourishment business, you're buying the discharge end of the pipe. That's the only difference between a a channel dredging project and a beach restoration project. It's the same damn equipment with the same captain with the same crew. Same material. Doing the same thing. But what are you paying for? I'm paying for discharge or I'm paying for the front end. That's the yeah. only difference. And we and nobody bitches about the channel people about you got to do this again. No one says, I want a one-time solution. Now,
1: can I just ask a quick question?
0: <laughs> it's absurd, Has
1: Have any of the dredging companies out there come up with a hat or a T-shirt <laughs> that simply says dredging sucks? Has that been done yet? I'm sure that's been done. I really, if, if any of our listeners out there have such a thing or know such a thing, send us a link. <laughs> I don't mean that dredging actually sucks. I'm just no, saying that it's, that, it end does. Well, there's it's a whole, that end of it's, the pipe.
0: It's the business end of the deal. It's yeah. the cutterhead. It's the, head it's the right. sucking part. It's the sucking part. And then and there's the a discharge. Channel. I know, yeah. and I, that's all I'm saying about about uh, beach restoration economics is we don't think of the beach that way. Even though God bless them, uh, the guys who were down in Florida, the economist who wrote for Shore and Beach magazine on the economics of, of beaches, Houston, Houston uh documents the hell out or of Houston it. yeah Houston it's 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 worth a lot but we yeah. but we but we dismiss it and uh, I'm torn by I, I really am torn by this I you know I it's always a struggle for me to sort of figure out God should we continue to invest in these shorelines
1: mm-hmm.
0: um or should we get the hell out of the way Rob young right get you know at some point point. and I think where I agree with Rob young is the decision when manage retreat or when is it appropriate is when you're tired of writing checks to not do it. That's exactly where the LA times, uh, article
1: Roxanne Shia came down right on that is, uh, renourishment, uh, building out a shoreline for these, uh, you know, in some cases, these are extremely difficult, uh, circumstances, cliff, right. uh, houses, cliff, uh, parks and stuff where you have you know this might be a public space that's being eaten up um at some point the the cost to stabilize that type of environment is is not realistic and that's it seems like at that point it will become managed retreat um what's interesting in california and and I see that we have a Coastal Commission story up right now, actually. Yeah, yep, yep. um, But what's interesting in California is that the Coastal Commission is—it um, seems like it's setting up, and I think this is a very deliberate, like, leadership decision coming hmm. from the commission. And I, you know, this is just my opinion, folks. Okay. This is not.
0: It's hard to track those folks, but yeah, what are you saying in the in the California well, what Coastal I think, Commission? I think
1: they're forcing. Like, I think that this article. Uh, this major article in the LA times uh, which is a ground shifting uh, piece of journalism in California is exactly is, is almost a designed uh, piece of earned media for the commission because Uh what they are doing is they're forcing a discussion about armament because they're not issuing permits. They're not even letting folks with existing infrastructure repair it. Right. So if you have a, a, seawall in front of your house and it were to degrade or rust or fall over yeah they will very likely not issue a, wow. a really? repair permit well wow. i mean it obviously it depends on the circumstances sure but but,
0: but they're tending against that they are, yes that so, is
1: that is what i am noticing this is just okay. yours truly okay. giving you my opinions we
0: no that's a big deal if that's what they're doing that does force the issue i believe
1: that um, and i i think that that's extremely important because politically and this is one of the reasons why the Coastal Commission exists it's to insulate the governor and the state legislature Mm -hmm. against the politics of the of this very issue right and the Commission
0: acts as the insulation right and they're 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 accused of being political but but there is and they are they are and every they're appointed yeah look and this is not I don't think that's a an offense I mean because the the land water interface when it comes to property rights in this area that we're talking about access to the shoreline protection of property adjacent to the shoreline the the re- responsibilities between private actors and public actors is I think is the most distilled crystalline political. Uh, Argument You can get into in America one of the cleanest in terms of the differentiation of the side and the balance of rights and interests and what the proper role and responsibility of the government is versus private sector. I mean, I think it's just like a perfect and on top of that thing to talk on, about
1: and on top of that it really gets into the different levels of government and how effective they can be right at managing this problem right uh, Rob Young talks extensively about the. Um, The the role that the federal government Has played with the flood insurance program Right the, You know the national flood insurance program uh, mm-hmm. The the various the FEMA the way that p- folks get bailed out
0: Right um, And the federal shore and protection how program it, at the core And, and how that, that
1: incentivizes bad behavior Right that's Gil Gall Of what,
0: course Gilbert Gall Correct Point of view Correct The, the geography of risk now, Correct Gilbert Exactly was, That's the guy interviewed by uh, Bob Frump Bob On his show ship to shore uh this is a great interview to go back and listen to because gilbert gall a two-time pulitzer prize-winning journalist at the philadelphia Inquirer, uh but wrote a book on the geography of risk about the incentives incentives that are in the system for irresponsible i guess what he would say irresponsible development along the shoreline so if a local
1: government is charged with making that decision you're asking a local city council to take a, prop, a, a, a voter, a constituent, right. Uh, right there in a local small beach community and rule against them and say, hey, no, you're not going to yeah, rebuild tough. your wall or something. But it, when the Coastal Commission does it, right. it creates that, yeah. that dissonance. And I would say That's to, great. to you folks in Florida, to your That's folks right. uh, on the eastern seaboard that mm. might look at California as a long ways away from home, yeah think about this. This what we're seeing right now with the Coastal Commission in California, which is a step, which is basically restricting mm-hmm. armament, right? Forcing the discussion to go more toward a retreat, a retreat. Uh, okay. Rhetoric. Okay. That is the direct. I believe that that is a little bit of a bellwether for the way it will look when the federal government <clears throat> begins to step away from. Hmm. Coastal bailouts. Okay, and uh, it's you know look, it's we're talking small little increments here. Yeah, but I'm that's one of the reasons why I personally find what's going on out there very interesting.
0: Really, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I'm trying to think if there are states aggressively uh, pushing back against armoring right now. Uh, There have been in the past, uh, but it's becoming, as you say, at the local level. Uh, certainly Hawaii is yeah uh, trying it I know you know
1: at the, Florida at the state level lo- I mean the, the, here's the difference between at the different levels of government because you know in Florida they certainly don't allow it but they allow county they allow the local government to sure. issue well, an emergency and do an emergency permit the emergency permit that's system. totally that's, that defeats it, the purpose well of, they do it in north carolina too and this right. is kind of the so, so the, this is that's not happening in california the emergency permit thing is not really correct are you sure about that well i can't you know okay. I'm, i
0: can't I, do, I don't know that that's not right but
1: uh, i can't say that it's i can't say with a 100 certainty that yeah. it's not there aren't some caveats and loopholes. Right. We could figure that out. But my understanding is that any uh, rep, any repair or anything goes straight to the Coastal Commission. There's no workaround.
0: Right. I mean, the local the commission
1: go- has to approve it. Yeah. The and they're not doing
0: it. The Conservation Plan, the local CCP. Right. Uh, they have a lot of authority and they and they are the bad guys. And I think that is convenient for local government officials to be able to say, listen, we'd love to help you out, but the CCC won't let us, gives them the political cover. And from what I hear from the CCC staff here and there, they're frustrated by what is the political inherent political nature of coastal decision-making. And I, I will tell you this, it, it, is, it doesn't matter what decision-making structure you put in place, and this is what I would say to all the engineers and the environmental community folks out there and the advocates and everybody is, look, there is no place that is more purely political. And, and I mean, in a good way, in terms of the complexity of balancing legitimate interests in both the public interests and in the private interest, and what the Constitution provides, you're damn right it's political and you've got to be smart and understand the equities of these issues in a deeper way to be effective and in this space i would also just say it's changing
1: like um not to bring this back to my viral discussion but um it's it's only a matter of time before what we're talking about here with uh coastal uh management does go viral um you Hmm. whether or not it's from a, a, a political angle like hey look at all this risk on the coast why the hell are we paying for this right um all the way to an environmental angle, which yeah. I think is kind of sneaking up on us. But uh, we are, we got to pay attention for sure as coastal citizens, as professionals, as people in this space uh, about what's going on here. There is huh. absolutely. Um, it's changing, Peter. It is absolutely changing. I mean, is t- it though? Yes, absolutely. And and here's here's what I would point out. I, I, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've been talking a lot about the word retreat on the podcast network of late. But the word re- the reason why we do that is because the word retreat was a third rail word. Yeah, for a long time, and it's not anymore. That's a right. big change. It is what that means to managers to the what that means about the public's understanding of yeah uh the coastline and how it how to maximize to get the highest and best use out of it is changing and it of course it's changing the risks are our, our understanding of the risks of the coastline are changing yeah our understanding of the environmental interconnectivity between coastal management and the broader ocean and coastal health space uh is dramatically changing um I'll point back to that sh- those shark posts on uh, social media. What do I always see? I see about half the half the comments in the uh, shark sightings posts are like, "Hey, listen, uh, that freaks me out. I'm never going to the ocean." The other half are like, "No shit, it's the ocean." Welcome to hmm. the natural world. Right. You're in a wild space. Welcome right. to the wild space. Right. I mean, that. there is an enlightenment of of the huh. environment more broadly, but certainly on the coast that's happening right now, huh. right now. And hmm. um, I, I, I I just saw a poll. This will be okay. my final statement. I just no, saw a poll. Ahead. You know, we're in the middle of the uh, primary for the presidential race. Uh, and of course, all first the, quarter, first I quarter, say.
0: I haven't started watching it,
1: right? We're not. Well, yeah, I guess we're not in the middle. I, well, not it's yet. not like the middle of summer, but we're in it. We're definitely in it. Yeah, the first debate's happened. Going. A poll was just commissioned uh, by the crooked media folks. Uh, the number one issue of, this is a scientific poll, okay. Democrat, likely Democratic primary voters. Incredible. The polls. number one issue was the environment and climate change. Hmm. Yeah. Now that's obviously just Democrats. That's, oh, was it? That was just Democrats. Okay. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Hey, that's I mean, that, that's in, that's an interesting little data point to keep in your mind. I for mean, sure. People are paying attention to this in a way that they didn't used to. That that was not the case when Al Gore ran for president. He might have won.
0: <laughs> right. But see what I what I I think going back to the article in the LA Times, what was her name uh, who wrote that? Roxanne Shia, Roxanne who who talked about we're doing two things at the same time we're doing uh restoration managed retreat we're thinking about the environment and we're armoring the hell out of the coast i think that's quite accurate the fortification of the american shoreline is fully underway uh you know we've got multi-billion dollar uh, projects in in new york in houston in tampa bay all in chicago and i mean yeah and even in san francisco uh we're going to start building the hell out of this to protect now there's a I think what we're talking about is there an economic tipping point where you're like, we just can't, and you turn the switch off. Rob Young's point, you can't defend it all. You're going to let some of this stuff go. Uh, but i really, I got to tell you, as much as I see the reform interests, i really, I I honestly ask this kind of visit a question. Does, does, does the risk really even matter? Has it ever mattered? I mean, Let me ask it this way. If you go back to Galveston Island in 1900 after the 1900 hurricane that killed 6,000 people and wiped out the whole damn island, the city of Houston has flooded from the very first decade repeatedly. We've got a bigger—Houston is 2.5 billion people. We keep adding, in spite of the flood risk, we keep adding—this is kind of think Rob Young's point—we keep adding to the shoreline. And it's not like we have any absence of information about the risk is, I mean, other than the fact that we lament it and we get to talk about it and we get to do cool slideshows about the storm surge, do we act as it actually ever really make a difference that we're putting stuff in high risk areas? And I'm not sure that it does, I'm not convinced. I would agree with you
1: insofar as I think that the risk argument is losing steam. Uh, obviously, and part of it is that we're getting the way that we 've managed to get through the risk argument is that we just build better. I right. mean, we just build higher and stronger, and yeah, oh not like I was watching footage of Barry t- uh today rolling through, and I see the houses up there they're way above the f- i mean mm-hmm. the land is flooded, the cars are gone, right, but the, house, the houses have have retreated vertically and they're going right. to be fine right um the bottom story is flooded out, but you know that's all designed to do that anyway. Supposedly, if you're supposedly
0: in code,
1: if you're within the code, that's right. Um, but I think that the shift is that is that the appropriate use of the space, and that discussion I think is changing. Um, obviously, there's an economic interest in packing as many people in as possible, but I do think that the econ the uh, environmental narrative is shifting and yeah, I, I just, I see it everywhere, man.
0: Yeah. Now I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the policies percolate out of that. I think you're right. There are significant mo- movement of point of view. Um, at, you know, I, I kind of look at it like Missouri, those folks up there building in the floodplain along the Mississippi and funneling that water down to the coast. They're like, we don't care about that we can make money here it's beachfront it's good money we know FEMA will pay it whatever the incentives are that that seems to me to be such a that is as persistent as a nerdle in the American psyche that that we can simply make money in the face of risk and shift it down the line it seems so built in that I don't ever think we get out of that I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic. I In don't know. Way, I, don't, I, mean, I don't. I don't want to end it on a downer. You know, we
1: shouldn't end it on a downer. We got to end it on an upper. But I would just say that I do think it's well within the well, well within range that um, certainly federally, as a nation, as coastal citizens, as people who understand the connection between the inland oceans and the inland waterways and watersheds and what goes on up there, right. and the ocean, and as the science. God bless our NOAA scientists and all the people out there who, uh, study, uh, the interplay between what, what goes into the watershed and what comes out either in the Gulf of Mexico or wherever else. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is growing, and I think we can actually manage that. That's my. I, I'm going right. to take the glass half full on that one, Peter.
0: I'll do it. We can definitely. Well, That's what way. everybody works for. That's what ASBPA is about, and all but these. But it is definitely human.
1: Make... It's human instinct to look to shift the risk one notch down. Right. The game theory of it is real, right. and as managers and as policymakers, it's the it's the job of the political system to see beyond the. First maneuver.
0: Well, in the mere uh, financial calculation of that risk, but to look at something a little bit deeper totally. and see if you can, you know, bend the curve a little bit to uh, smarter public policy. Uh, right. I don't know, but you look that. Why I love it's why I love following it
1: all. I do too. And look, we're going to make mistakes, and I come back to this: we need to be experimental, all of us. We need to be experimental. Um. In the in the way we think about the coastline, I mean, we're we're certainly going to be experimental in the way we run <laughs> yeah. uh, this this here podcast and the podcast network. I can tell you that much. Yeah, we're going to try things true. out, see what see what works, see what resonates, see which stories uh,
0: yeah uh, matter. Well, they're going to get a survey. We'd love to hear from you guys yeah. uh, who listen the tens nice of transition, the, and I would say the tens of thousands of people who have listened right. to the American Shoreline Podcast Network, and it is tens of thousands now. Uh, we'd love to hear kind of what what you what you're interested in. Um, we're we're going to be talking to you guys through a survey. We're looking at the website. We're trying to figure out how to make it better. Uh, we're sure open to sponsorship. So if your company will benefit from what I think the best coastal decision making audience uh, in America, this is a great place to, to advertise. Uh, give us a call. Yeah, we're looking for partnerships.
1: We're looking for. Uh, Opportunities to promote your company, uh, promote your organization, what you do, what you're working on. We're also looking for stories. If you, yeah. if you've got, if something's going on in your community that yeah. uh, you think we should be talking about, uh, send us an email: Peter at coastanewstoday. Tyler at coastanewstoday. com. Uh, we very much appreciate that. And that survey will be coming out soon, and uh, we're going to be promoting the hell out of it, so you will yeah. not miss it. But as a, as a little uh priming of the pump please (laughs) fill out the survey uh it will really help us find advertisers to help support the uh, programming it will help us understand who you are right um uh, what how we can be most effective and useful for you so uh big help for us if you do that
0: right on so everybody have a great week uh kicking off monday july 15th it's going to be hotter down in texas for the next couple weeks stay cool keep working enjoy the summer and uh, get to the beach before your kids get dragged back to school in early september amen thanks take it easy everybody (laughs) the beaches they sell to build their hotels my father's